0: To put it better, the first
1: line in that song is your butt is mine. Bed-bound demons, debt-laden cops, and sweet-talking gigolos. All on this thirty-seventh midnight video with your
0: hosts, me Phil Walsh and me Jim Hall. Tonight, a plummy ghost and a mattress with the munches are the odd double act, proving that you don't have to be a promiscuous teen to run afoul of
1: deathbed. Takeshi Kitano shows that a movie with a hair-trigger cop on the edge can also include art therapy, kite flying, and fireworks. It's our listeners' vote poll winner, Hannah B
0: and has provided trouble for James Bond and Rambo, but a scenery-chewing Stephen Burkhoff finally met the ultimate adversary in Minneapolis pop sensation Prince. We know who Airman is on in Under the Cherry Moon.
1: it's the Jubilee weekend mm. we're underneath the London Bridge well we're in between the tower and London Bridge and there's a lot of bunting out
0: we've already had a couple of pints um, the big celebration for the Jubilee tonight is that the Queen's got some um, big acts together which represent the six decades she's been oh, on the oh that throne. massive
1: like eight foot axe yep
0: um, <laughs> Paul McCartney but off with his head Elton John off with his head I think Stevie Wonder off with
1: his eyes and Goblin <laughs> we can only, we can live in hope. Paura, paura.
0: <laughs> You know how Brian May did his little um,
1: "God Save the Queen" ten years back. His little yeah, yeah.
0: I think Goblin How's are going to be on
1: top of Buckingham Palace tonight. It's uh, Claudio Simonetti who's going to be <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be flinging his
0: uh, with his, you know, with, his, <laughs> his How's your with his
1: illuminated t shirt. <laughs>
0: um, thank you and hello to everyone who um, joined us down the pub the other week for yeah. um, the last well for now certainly of our uh, midnight tipples
1: yeah it's not impossible to have another one cuz i'm definitely going to be coming back over to you, old london town to visit you're not going to be like phil collins and just living abroad for tax reasons no 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 i've got a different kind of groovy love so <laughs> it's called
0: you're not divorcing us still by fax <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I'm gonna like hope that Zeb chokes on his uh, Christmas pudding because he gets the coins. Have you seen Buster the movie? You know when his child's like wolfing down the Christmas pudding and I don't she starts, that bit Oh, she starts choking on like the little like, the coins. This is this is
0: Phil Collins' child in the
1: film. Yes, yes, I not know, the real, real one life. who's now in the Snow White film. No, that's nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're
0: referencing. <laughs> Um, so yeah party time Um, yeah like we said we had a good time last week and you've been away this weekend
1: as well been up north visiting my family so my accent might sound a little bit thicker than it usually does yeah you've been (laughs)
0: acclimatised you're sitting here in a flat cap wearing nothing but a strategically placed black pudding
1: and there's blossom me whip it next to me (laughs) and a couple of pigeons perched on my shoulders
0: (laughs) Um my weekend I did sit through with a few friends. We were gonna get together and have a bit of you know, beer and pizza and have a spoof horror double bill. We were gonna watch Zombieland, which we have all seen recently. Good film? Uh
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. I've seen oh, yeah, I was, I was asking if you like it.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's the quote, is it? It's serviceable. No, right, that's just that's, a trick. that's good fun. Yeah. Zombieland. We didn't get around to watching that though, we were a bit late starting. We only got through uh Mel Brooks's young Frankenstein. He's young for a reason. It was it was a weird old thing that actually. Mm. Um I think everyone was quite up for it. I've gotta say I love the producers, the original version of the producers. Um I think that's just really one of the best comedy films, you know, brilliant, brilliant setup. Is other stuff I'm always been a bit you know, I've always been a bit lukewarm on and mm. um this time round everyone seemed to laugh at it to begin with and then lose it a bit. There was a sense of their childhoods dying.
1: Yeah, Estelle did something to me a few years ago. Do you want where, to reveal this? Uh, yeah, I'll, I can reveal it. It's a film that I, I never knew existed. It's the Mel Brooks, the sort of history of...
0: Oh, the history of the world, part one.
1: And it was really quite... It was hard to get through. I
0: remember thinking it was rubbish when I was 13. And okay. I, um, I, I, I've mentioned a few times on the shows. I um, Reading Michael Palin's diaries, I think he's invited by Mel Brooks to go and watch it when it comes out, and he doesn't really think much of it. <laughs> Young lady, if you could flee as fast as fast could be, and if I could talk beyond my painting to warn you, it'd still be too late to avert the horror that awaits you. Apples, chicken legs, and human hands. It's all the same to the eponymous famished four-poster in 1977's Deathbed, The Bed That Eats, a low-budget horror in which a ghost trapped behind a painting relays the ghastly yarn of a piece of possessed antique furniture with a natural appetites and sits by helplessly as a parade of victims take the big sleep.
1: Deathbed is one of those lost horror classics from, well, I said 77, but that era where you think of video and about bootlegs and pirates. Uh, I know that Stephen Thrower uh, wrote about it extensively in Nightmare USA. Um, Stephen Thrower, if you're not familiar with him, you really check out his... um, his writings on Fulci, on low budget video movies or low budget horror from seventies and eighties, and also he was a member of Coil, who are probably one of the, the best British bands ever to come out of this little Sceptial. Um so it's Uber, Uber, Uber low budget. Um the history of it you've got a guy who started making this film in nineteen seventy two uh, they got an answer print out in 77, nothing came of it it was bootlegged for years throughout the 80s and early 90s then it became available in 2003, mainly I think through the efforts of Stephen Thrower because right. he provided the uh, the theme, the end theme um, right. which was from his um, other band, Cyclope
0: Mm, this Price. is interesting. So the film I've watched that was never something that did the rounds at drive-ins or something in the seventies. No, no, it just well, kind of existed as a thing that never got distribution. It's one of those lost right. Films, I never like knew that. No, I thought it. I thought it got a few screenings.
1: Some. I you know, think th- it might have th- got th- minimal, and, minimal in yeah. the states, but traveling abroad, mm, people right. just got this yeah. um, videotape. Which you know, not like yes. ring or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it is it is fantastic, and like Phil says, we we reviewed it kind of as a dry run over a year ago, but just to
1: see what we. Can and do. I think
0: we were intending to then do it as a proper review, but we thought we'd start off with things like bad taste and layer of the white worm, which probably had a bit more.
1: Um, people might be aware. People of might,
0: have <laughs> and yet yeah, we've intended to do this for a long time. Because seriously, when when we did that sort of demo show. Um, I thought we're going to be reviewing these kind of films all the time. Low budget, <laughs> really inventive horror movies, you know. I mean, I I am going to say more about it than that, but that's in a nutshell that's what it is. It's absolutely I'd not heard of it. You said we should do it, you know, um on like like I say the demo show. But yeah, it is the the thing this is closest to of anything else we re- we've reviewed. Headless eyes absolutely headless eyes <laughs> except with that <laughs> i did have i'd had enough of headless eyes by about 40 <laughs> minutes in but this really kept me going it rocked me all night long as <laughs> <ACDC> would say, <laughs> yeah. it's wonderful if I'm, I'm imagining a lot of people haven't seen this i know even though it is it's kind of got a bit of a cult reputation now but i was a bit annoyed that when we were selecting films for the the last few shows that we're going to be doing this time around um you said Deathbed I thought, yeah, great That's still got that term. It's still a film Not many people have heard of Ain't it cool The Harry Knowles site Put it up like a week ago Or something No way Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah what But, that you know mean? Obviously <laughs> more people Listen to our podcast <laughs> Go on there uh, Go on, Harry Knowles But no the, if, uh, if you've not seen it Which I'm suspecting You haven't And if you're From Britain And of a certain age Um, or even of a certain age because you posted this up yourself a few weeks back the Donald Pleasance public safety film Mm. uh, Spirit of the Dark Lonely Water which was uh, terrifying as a kid a public safety film with this guy as a cowled monk who was the spirit of um, water with lots of um, rusty cars and stuff trapping lots of kids with terrible haircuts and trousers (laughs) Um, but the way that works with this narration by Donald Pleasance throughout it saying you know, telling the audience this is this is what I do. Um, here's here's a foolhardy and uh, you know someone with ignorance, so I'm gonna you know trap under the water. Is absolutely going through this. It reminded me of noth- um It reminded me of that film more than anything else.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And I love it for that because yeah, we kind of briefly mentioned it in the introduction, but I, I guess the great conceit this the bed eats people, which is kind of obvious. <laughs> but the narration's mostly done by this guy who looks a little bit like. A cross between Donald Pleasance, not Donald Pleasance, um, Donald Sutherland as Casanova and David Thewlis, who's wow. this artist <laughs> sitting behind um, a print that's <laughs> I wouldn't kind have of said that It um,
1: just looks like some kid at Camden, I thought. In a oh, I, I thought billowy, he had over, cause he's, uh, white yeah, because yeah, he's
0: in a sort of Byronic. He's in the billowy shirt and stuff. Yeah, in the yeah exactly. He's like. Um, a, I'm, I Byron. think it's someone else doing his voiceover. It is, yeah. But that's a great, uh, great narrative device through it, isn't it? Because I, I'd love to know how this film was conceived. I think it like, was a dream. Go on.
1: Yeah, no, because I've read like Nightmare USA, where um, uh, Stephen Thrower had he he received this video and he was trying to find out everything he knew about this film because mm. it, it really captured his imagination and if, if anyone knows like the music of Coil and that kind of oeuvre then this is like this is very appealing to them and yeah, in Nightmare USA he's got this massive four or five page interview I mean, it's a big book you, you've seen it you know, there's, there's well, I actually should borrow from... it off you
0: before you move to France yeah. actually, <laughs> I'll buy you a copy Wow, that would be fantastic. I will.
1: And um, it's really insightful because, like, um, George Barry is just like really gobsmacked that anyone was so interested in what this obscure film that he did many years ago. He didn't even realise that it was bootlegged to the extent Mm -hmm. it was. And um, he, yeah, he basically relayed everything that happened about the making of it, um, and it's just in print. But he said it literally was. It was just a dream. It was just this idea of someone talking about a bed that exists. What but it, it's, it's got its own like life force behind it. You know, there's a story behind it. Mm. There's um, the narrator serves to like obviously like in any story, the narrator serves to propel the uh, narrative forward. But he liked this idea of something remaining in a place all the time and seeing changes as it as it goes on. It's stuck in time but time moves on around it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Which uh, it really do- and he does it magnificently in this. No, it's a brilliant
0: <laughs> conceit and I can't think of many other films that have done it. In fact, weirdly, I'm not trying to sound, you know, rolling out the big cannons. It does remind me a bit of some of those early Peter Greenaway's when they have to think we've got an odd story to tell, how do we actually convey all the information to the mm. audience? I think this is great. They've got this. It's a weird thing. You've got a ghost, imperial dressing behind a print by like Aubrey Beardsley. Aubrey Beardsley,
1: yeah. Um,
0: it's quite. If you if you don't know him, a good artist, but also very associated with mysticism. And um, but no, I thought it might have worked the other way. I thought it might have been something as simple as the guys making it had this great four poster antique bed and thought that's a great prop. Let's make it a bed that eats people how do you actually do a film about that and then say you have to have a ghost that is kind of haranguing it throughout (laughs) because he's directly addressing the bed isn't he saying you've been up to (laughs) yes he's not quite as yeah (laughs) yeah He's not haranguing it, but, um, but yeah. it's not he's, he's explaining though. the plot to the the audience, isn't he? Saying, "Oh, this happened," because it's like eight minutes before anything happens, isn't it? Yeah, the I first mean, you two don't minutes of silence until with... like
1: halfway through the film, really. Which is great.
0: Mm. I love that. I'm fa- well, actually, it's almost like when the exposition appears; it is good, but it's almost like you didn't need it. Mm. The film starts with silence for about a minute or two minutes, black screen munching. And you're actually wondering if your disk works all right. <laughs> um, then you do get this. You, you finally get into this idea of the ghost in the bed. Um, it claims its first victim. The way it does it is wonderful, isn't it? It's this cuckoo spit that comes up. Anyone else, <laughs> you know, would have just had a split in the in the blanket or something, and the the victims would have fallen through. The fact it secretes this yellow cuckoo spit. Um, swallows things and then you get a, a sort of view of the world inside the bed which is um, yellow isn't it it's, yeah, it's it, look, it can't like help remind you of
1: documentary uh, of sort of something eating something mm. else you know it's, it's um, again Greenway-esque or yeah. it's like the way that it's um, the objects because will be in there. There'll be the crunch noise, but then things will float off from. Yes, it. It's actually yeah. quite a decent effects.
0: It's quite a low budget, but very, very effective. It's clever. Yeah, yeah. and it, especially when like a bottle of wine goes down, and obviously it's it's great because it's simultaneously a gag that it's drinking wine, but it actually looks beautiful that it's this blood, it's it's red, you know, spilling out, cloudy out into this um, yellow but also stirred. they've got like the cork
1: popping sound and the yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah wait, if, before I get too
0: fancy there's great gags then when it will have um, you know a sort of um, digestive stuff afterwards yeah but no I I just think that narrative thing with the ghost is fantastic and it really keeps it fresh and yeah I, yeah, I can't help but compare it to Greenaway because it is very
1: um, it's full of um, tableaus isn't it Mm. It yeah well there the, is a plot, The chapters of the uh, entire film were like breakfast dinner, and lunch as mm-hmm. well, very much like cook thief i guess um but there's lots of flashbacks i mean very
0: early on you get some archive footage of the bed i th- I think the idea is it's gone to the big city,
1: hasn't <laughs> it well, no, I think and it yeah. was always in this like the basically the the house where they filmed it was an old uh, quite impressive um uh, what, what's the word uh Mansion, I was gonna say colonic. <laughs> colonial, colonial, yes. yeah. colonial building, and it's you know, it's gone through time. And as time's gone on, like the bed has remained. And you have all these amazing headlines about in, people in the Daily Bugle, yes, yeah, so I yeah. Think he's a
0: bit of a fan of Spider Man, <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> people. Uh, succumbing to strange goings on, yeah. but the bed always remains. Yeah, I think there's uh, one saying: Mayor orders investigation, and then the
0: next headline is: Mayor vanishes. <laughs> 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 that's, it's well, that's the great thing; it does have such a great sense of humour, and there's no way it's not deliberate. But it still does kind of work as a horror movie. It's it's such a weird idea; it's kind of unsettling, and mm. you are there's the tension of every new. Uh, it's usually teenagers isn't it who will come and sit on it you're thinking don't (laughs) (laughs) and it builds up to a a clip you put on one of the quizzes which I still find quite unpleasant which is when one of the guys uh, tries to stab the bed with a knife (laughs) his hands plunge in and when they eventually come out he's just got skeleton hands hasn't he and you're laughing it's really unpleasant though <laughs> it reminds me of I can't think what the film's called I think it's The Men Behind the Sun There's one on like Japanese oh, yes. prisoner of yeah, war yeah, experiments yeah, yeah, yeah. but there was things like that in it when they kind of put people's hands into Acid. ice water and then boiling water and their oh, right. flesh just fell off and they had like skeleton hands oh, it. and it's weird I mean it, it's We've probably said this on other other about other films, but it's got a bit of a John Waters sense to it. With the Mm. acting, isn't brilliant, is it? I think the guy doing the rations got the got it absolutely right. Yeah, but the teenagers are obviously just people um, the director knew.
1: Yeah, because I think it started off as like a student film, basically. Mm. Anyway, so you know, you can you get um, you get who you can to act in it. But they all, I think, they all served it really well. There are like to go back to like certain moments when like the exposition comes in about how the bed came about. You know, the, <laughs> which the is, possession yeah, halfway like, into the film. It's really yes. beautiful. though. There's something quite. Um, there's an almost a, a medieval folkloric oh, yeah. tale to it, like which is it imbues the whole. Rest of the film with something else, and use yeah something y- you that you, you start got used to. It, it, this it is just a bad film
0: about a bed-eating people. Certainly, yeah. it does give it—it it, uh, invests it with something a little bit more.
1: It really does, and it does it successfully. Mm-hmm. And also, which was, I thought, helped it a lot was the uh, the sound design and uh, the soundtrack, which was something very of that time. It's people using sort of like modular synths, mm-hmm. and you know, you got the low throbbing hums and that. But it it really added to it. It, it, and it does for all those films. I I remember you and I went to see uh, Let's Scare Jessica, Jessica to, to Death, Death yeah. which had a very similar sounding soundtrack to yeah. it, which I really enjoyed. A lot I of, really a lot of
0: osploit- You've just let me a lot of osploitation but that's kind oh, of throughout yeah. those as well. Yeah, but so yeah. it's kind of probably a small window in cinema when that was that was kind of fresh way to do sound mm. design and music. But the music to this is great, and I know we mentioned Tangerine Dream a lot. Um, was a bit Tangerine Dream, specifically Klaus Schultz, it was very yeah. gothic and pulsing and uh, just fantastic, like I say one of the great things here is there's so much humour in it but then there are these other things that kind of say no this isn't entirely yeah, this no, isn't entirely played for laughs
1: yeah there's, there's, something, there's some substance to it mm, like. one
0: of the bits that really put my teeth on edge <laughs> we've described the fact that it kind of secretes people and pulls them into this <laughs> yellow world one of the first victims we get to see devoured in great detail is a girl, and very imaginative. She's wearing a sort of crucifix on a on a gold chain, but the bed takes the crucifix and kind of serrates her neck, oh, it's kind that's, of garroting her. That's and kind the of thing, grim sound. There. there's the sound, but the fact that it's so low budget, you're thinking there's not much preparations gone into this. Has it? That's actually just a gold chain being dragged back and forth against someone's neck because it produces blood eventually. Mm. I can't imagine there was. Uh, much special effects involved in that,
1: no, maybe not, but it it comes across as quite effective, yeah. as most of the film does that it's it's just really effective in all the departments that you want from a low budget movie usually um it's it's really creative we've
0: seen enough low budget films which aren't, and they just mark time till they can get to the couple of effects they could afford to do in there. 70, 90 minutes running time. Mm. This is great throughout, isn't it? You know? Yeah, from start and it to just finish, it so. does have quite an odd quality <laughs> to it. You're th- there's a weird moment because um, what is it? I think the main plot has three girls that turn up, and um, there's the black girl, isn't it? Who's kind of the leader of the gang mm. uh, in the denim? But there's a weird dream she has when she's in a nightgown oh night the mirrors but then there's a double e- yeah she has a yeah. book of, she's having a dream and there's a book of dead people but it's full of mirrors the book you know, it's, quite, yeah. it's quite like Hellraiser on a lobe yeah. <laughs> but then there's a double exposure of her in a 90 then a naked version of her standing up and wandering around for a bit there's not a lot of explanation of what's going on It's it's just a way of representing a dream but you think someone's gone the extra mile there. It's
1: really well done, yeah. It's um, like a phantom carriage, almost. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and another
0: scene where, I think the girl who's getting garroted, I think the ghost's um, hassling the bed, going, oh, you're giving them evil dreams to keep them, you know, <laughs> keep them subdued. Her evil dream's like a great Argento sequence when she's sitting down and people are presenting her with uh, turins and things, opening these silver dishes, and it's like rice with locusts and yeah. maggots and <laughs> things go around. And... Uh, Wonderful stuff.
1: It's probably like the biggest recommend I think we could probably give the show. Like of all the films we've done for for all of the last year, I, I knew we had the right idea when we first wanted to. Well, I wanted to like cover it, but we didn't have the the right words for it. Yeah, so maybe we don't now, but <laughs> we did not see hijack instead. <laughs> That'd be a good double bill, actually.
0: <laughs> if the bed will be too crowded, I could sleep on the floor.
1: So, guys, this is. Pretty much well no it pretty much. It is the last listener's vote for, for now, for this year, for two thousand and this what year Twelve. Her <laughs> Majesty will be disgusted. Um I'm moving away to France next month. Um we don't know when we're gonna be able to well, get we rocking got, again. We've
0: got some plans but we wouldn't wanna say anything too definite just. In no, case. but
1: we just thought with the way we, we do the shows in advance We wanted to do something um, Definite And what better way Than to end with A director who everyone knows But still has A cul-de-sac of secrets
0: Gregoraki
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah uh, Martin Scorsese Martin Scorsese, he's the man
0: Yeah, so thanks to everybody for your votes Yeah, I think we've had some very good feedback On this, haven't we? I was uh, thinking it was going to be like Polanski Where there's going to be just very few votes for lots of separate films, but yeah. definite leaders again. Oh, definitely. coming out. Yeah, I was wondering how much of a midnight video director he was. It's surprising. Which was kind of I one of the reasons we picked him, I guess. When I started <laughs>
1: reading back through what people had written, I was like, mm. "Yeah, nice." Mm-hmm. Anyone can take you by surprise, I think. Well, of his caliber, and this course, if you've, you've been working over like, if, well, like, if you work over We've three been decades. We've George already. Tonight, if you work over that period of time though, you're gonna make some interesting films.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you wanna kick off?
1: Yeah, I will. Uh so Mark Foster, aka Dude Foss. Dude Foss. It's gotta be one of the less obvious ones. Oh That's the less obvious one. <laughs> it's gotta be one of the less obvious ones. I'm gonna go for New York, New York, just for the co cattled making of. You ever sat through that? I have it at home and I've not watched it. Manelli.
0: <laughs> Ian Mantegani sorry if I've pronounced your name wrong is, would you, how would you pronounce that?
1: Uh, I would add an A and say Mantegani Mangani. Hello Ian
0: After Hours is one of my favourite Scorsese picks. Prince Charles Cinema are showing it in the next month. When?
1: Bastards I didn't realise that. Well no I don't mean bastards in, I mean bastards in a good way you know like in Game of Thrones where there's a good bastard <laughs> uh, we can talk about Game of Thrones another time. <laughs> Cole Staines, after hours for me too.
0: Joe Scaramanga, hi Alan. Uh, King of Comedy, absolutely terrifying and oddly prophetic about uh, anything to be famous culture now.
1: Chris Salt, you don't hear people talking about Alice doesn't live here anymore. So that, please.
0: I thought that was going to get a lot more votes. Mm. I like that.
1: Never I've seen, seen that. Yeah, no, I, I best, remember you yeah. really
0: liking that. Uh Matt Barnett. Hello mate. Uh lock up your Virgin Daughters. My Scorsese pick is The Last Temptation of Christ. Statement to follow. He did this
1: sta- Where's the statement? I
0: didn't see the statement.
1: What? I didn't see he the did. statement. He wrote, He wrote loads of stuff about that. Did
0: he? Yeah.
1: Oh, sorry mate.
0: No, I was just going through Twitter today. I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit new to oh, it all. No, What's the statement?
1: He wrote like loads of stuff about why he chose it, about Bowie mm. and everything. I'll tell you
0: what. You'll be editing this at home. You could probably read that out as a separate thing and do it as a little Easter egg.
1: Weird because I'll be doing it at home.
0: Listen to the end of this show. Phil will. I'll record the statement this separately. Will follow. My apologies to Matt. But I didn't see that. I didn't, you know. <laughs> I was going through with the view Converse. I'm 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 old, I'm forty, I don't understand Twitter and you young people. <laughs> it's retard.
1: Uh, Rich retard? Wells. A tricky call betwixt After Hours, King of Comedy, and Cape Fear. Mm, I'm going to go Cape Fear proper bonkers thriller with multiple cameo bonus points if classic thriller remakes have to exist Scorsese should be made to direct them all his straw dogs would have been something
0: Chris Ward my favourite is Goodfellas but After Hours it is an underappreciated gem that would warrant good discussion
1: Dan Horty, yeah an After Hours discussion would be a good one though Cundon still gets my vote
0: (laughs) what are you trickling at (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: it's like Kundan. What's wrong Does with anyone Kundan? really want to know about the Dalai Lama's earlier existence? I was praying every <laughs> night that
0: people would vote for Cundan. I was
1: rocking my little You've let it down. Rolling Bell things. Sasha
0: Eichholz. Uh that's a tough one. I'm not I haven't been too crazy about his output in the last ten years, but Scorsese still is possibly my favourite director. His films shaped my love for films in general and what you could do with a camera and a bunch of actors. Taxi Driver was such a punch to the stomach for me when I first saw it, and I had to have that punch over and over again. I love so many of his earlier films and some of the later ones, but after thinking about it, I would mostly enjoy your discussing the insanity that is bringing out the dead. If I remember correctly, the press tried to tie this to Taxi Driver because it also has a script by Paul Schrader and it dealt with similar themes. Nick Cage gives a crazy performance, but quite fitting to the character, I think. It has a dreamlike rhythm, a mood, and is one of his wilder films for sure. If I could give a second vote, it would probably go to After Hours, his small post coke rehab movie. <laughs> There's an Oscar category for that. Yeah. Isn't there, right? <laughs> right now. Thanks, Sasha.
1: Uh, Peter Appleyard. can't remember if i voted for this already but anyway After Hours will always be my go to Scorsese trip Boxcar Bertha and Bringing Out the Dead are always worth a look as well
0: Mikel Dias hello I looked up his filmography and was surprised that he hadn't made more films same happened to me actually I thought he was going to have done loads but he's
1: Oh, he's like, what?
0: He seems to crank on. him out, but
1: mm,
0: I thought he'd d- done a lot more. Oh, right, I suppose right. he'd done a lot of documentaries and things. You mm. know, but, uh, anyway, back to Mikul. Uh, trying to choose a less obvious one. Saw Hugo recently, and like that. I'll plump for Aviator as the least obvious choice. A few other ones haven't been talked to death, but I like Avatar. And can I like s- Avatar. I like Avatar. <laughs> Aviator <laughs> I didn't call it Avatar earlier, did I? No, no, you just just then. <laughs> I knew I was gonna say that. <laughs> 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 and uh and can you slip in Nomi Sung and W R's Mysteries of the Organism before you wrap the show up? Otherwise I'll do a Rupert Pupkin and kidnap you and make you do podcasts for me only. I will. <laughs> um who said we we're wrapping up?
1: Uh, I dunno, the rapper the rapper said that you know the rapper is he at the Queen's Jubilee as well <laughs> yeah he's rapping this is a new Batman villain <laughs> I've not heard about Hans Ola Johansson bringing out the dead methinks which would also provide a sneaky dose of the cage everyone wants the cage and I agree
0: you'll get some cage before you uh, you hear the last of us
1: <laughs> you dirty bastard <laughs>
0: <laughs> Phil McRain, uh definitely have to second bringing out the dead cage puts the para into paramedic
1: I like that that's good uh, Kevin Bishop got to go for the king of comedy although as mentioned bringing out the dead has some quality Cajun Goodman also haven't seen it but Cundon might be interesting sneak three in there yeah I, I mean like I'm amazed two people have gone for Cundon anyway like really <sighs> it's
0: bubbling up it's bubbling under Anthony Nesbitt My Scorsese nomination, working on that idea... uh, Sorry, working on the idea that Goodfellas or Taxi Driver will romp over the finishing line? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I'll go for King of Comedy. It doesn't put a foot wrong. Grievously underrated. Even Scorsese himself is lukewarm on it. One of the best films on fame and celebrity ever made.
1: Lyndon Dunham Mean Streets because we all knew a local nutter like Johnny boy when we were growing up <laughs> didn't we a universal figure the reckless bullshitting gobshite part of why the film's so great the characters and situations ring true wherever you're from
0: yeah um, no I did respond to Linden there because I grew up in Redditch with him mm. um, Yeah, I think I know who he means but he was trying to make it more universal
1: <laughs> I <can tell laughs> he it. was doing his best but also
0: thanks to Lyndon um, I got a bunch of um, Sam Hain and Fear magazines from him a few weeks back.
1: Wow! Should
0: would you? I'm oh, not. It, it may take me a while to get through them, but it's <laughs> nice watching them develop from a fanzine to like a proper newsstand thing. And also, there's an awful lot of uh, Sean Hudson and Ramsey Campbell interviews in there.
1: <laughs> That's why you won them, really. Oh, Sean
0: Hudson! <laughs> yes. Th- that whole Garth Marenghi thing. Going <laughs> Colin Waters, hello. Uh, I vote for After Hours. Now that King of Comedy is fully accepted as one of the one of his classics, it's probably the most underrated of his films, which isn't to say it's entirely great, but it's interesting. And a prime example of that vanished sub-genre of the 1980s, the yuppie imperil peril film. See also, Something Wild, Fatal, fatal Attraction, etc. It dates from the desperate moment in Marty's career when he was seriously considering directing Flashdance and Beverly Hills Cop, As he struggled to get his cherished last temptation of Christ film made, luckily he did after hours, which is Scorsese indulging his too little seen bonkers side. So this is particularly as you as you probably gathered from the fact that I've not had Matt Barnett's um, statement to follow. (laughs) I was collating the results today, um, and I've 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 screwed it up. But this this is exciting for me because it means I don't actually know who's won. (laughs) I've got a suspicion from reading that act.
1: I spent five and a half hours on the train getting down to London again from a nice family weekend away. Um, I had to watch um, Red with Bruce Willis yesterday, though, <laughs> so I think we can trade that off. Yeah, you know, there's not levels of torture to this, you know. Malkovich. <laughs> so, mm. in many joint fourth place, we have Aviator, Cape Fear, Avatar. Goodfellas, New York, New York. Alice doesn't live here anymore. Alice doesn't live here anymore. Uh huh. Third, last temptation of Christ, joint with King of Comedy and bringing out the dead. Second place. Mm-hmm. Cage has narrowly missed out once again. Once again, not my legs. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think everyone's probably guessed it. Romping at number one.
0: Who's that knocking on my door? After hours. After hours. Everything done. Okay, so like we say, that's the end for now of our um, listeners' votes on you know favourite directors, what, which film you'd like us to uh, review from them. However, we've got a few more shows to do. Have we? Mm, I didn't tell you about that, did I? Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've cancelled your passport. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, in time for the next show, again, we'll remind you on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, but we'd be very keen to know, because obviously the films, the, the the podcast's more about celebrating films, we think are... Uh, worth looking at or sound interesting worth a park let's go completely the opposite direction As what should we avoid what should we avoid we would love to know what the worst film you've ever seen is and obviously you know don't just say green lantern um you know give us some reason why it's the worst film you've ever seen and uh yeah i've got to say i'm really looking I'm genuinely god i feel like a game show host or something no <laughs> i'm really looking forward to hear i it's so nice to hear what people get, gets the bile going and the venom.
1: And i well I'm I And I know everyone watch. who's
0: listened to this has watched an awful lot of films of <laughs> questionable quality. But the well, one I'm that's not too really keen on, just
1: I'm not too keen on the slagging off of stuff but yeah. I'm oh no having... we know you you've got a positive
0: attitude to everything.
1: <laughs> but I uh, I don't want people to think that we're gonna review these films. The whole mm. point is that we won't review them. It'll be a nice end of worst, term time. bringing your
0: board games in at the end of uh, before Christmas. Yeah, signing yep. your shirts, and yeah, flower and eggs. And, yeah. um, it's probably only fair that we, we contribute to this SL. So, uh, I mean, it, I've had a bit more time to think about this because I did spring this on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's cool. i I've, I've thought of it. you thought of the Worst film I think I've ever seen. Uh, it's not very well known, thankfully. Actually, I'm going to put two in. One is... Uh, a film from the eighties called Shady, which was made for Film Four and stars Anthony Cher who I've always had a bit of an issue with. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something about him that's really smug and irritating. The setup of this is—I think it's—it's it's been a long time since I've seen it, but it's a guy with, I think, psychic or remote viewing mm. powers, um, who's trying to pay for a sex change operation. So, kind of a mixture of Dead Zone and Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> But with Anthony Cher, I think Leslie Ash and wow. Patrick McNee. But I remember it, I, I don't want to sound horrible because I wish there was still a really uh, a flourishing British film industry. But it's a prime example of one of those things where it might have worked with a bit more money and pizzazz to it, but it just seems very provincial and nothing <laughs> So it's been a long time since I've seen that. The film I actually remember made me feel physically uncomfortable because it was so irritating uh, Frank Zappa's 200 Motels
1: mm, not have seen. you ever
0: seen that? no I think Zappa famously never took drugs but I think this throughout it tries to make out that uh, it tries to replicate the experience of being a bit zonked that's terrible
1: um, <sighs> immediately
0: <laughs> dreadful dreadful Dreadful. I
1: am tempted to watch it again. Why did sp- people try to do that though? I mean, it, it's just so. I'm, I'm making the money okay, sign yeah. at, <laughs> at the microphone now. It's yeah. just so redundant,
0: like just. But full of bother. full of atonal music, so it's just physically uncomfortable to watch. Then you had things like the frame slipping out and lots of uh, um, feedback and stuff on the, on the screen. And Ringo Star is Frank the Zappa. F-
1: the <laughs> farthest removed idea of how taking drugs should be anyway. I'll have to take your word for it. <laughs> well, mine... So
0: obviously we know Dead Zone is the film that you'd like to burn.
1: <laughs> Jonathan Livingston's <eagle>. sequel. <laughs> With psychic powers. I'm going to have to go for Shane Meadows, Once Upon a Time in the Midlands. Uh, I'm
0: surprised. I thought you were a big uh, big fan of Shane Meadows. I love Shane Meadows. I mm-hmm. think
1: this is the, the biggest blot anyone can have on their landscape. He uh, let you down. Yeah, it, it's sickeningly bad in all ways because... He's got a lot of um, well British A-list actors in there doing what uh, non-trained actors have done so much better in all of his other films, or lesser-trained actors, or you know people from film school. It's just fucking awful. It's just one of the worst films I've seen, like British-wise. I've got I've always got a soft spot for films made in Britain, uh, especially Jubilee Weekend. You know. Yeah. I'm welling up at the moment. Like, You're I'm feeling not. your breasts, <laughs> <actually. laughs> No, Matt, I was going to say I'm puffing up like a pigeon. Over your silver <laughs> surface um, I just It's just so sad when I saw that. It was really, really disappointing.
0: I remember it not being anything like as good as Romeo Brass, or I think I'll probably see Made in England. Far bit, cry, um,
1: far, far cry from all of those. I mean, if you'd see... Shirley was, Henderson just bugs me. But Robert Carlyle as well, though. He's he's uh, a little bit annoying I think okay. um,
0: so is this more a thing of someone you love does let you down rather than yeah. in it's own right it's
1: uh, someone who went on to make even better stuff to be honest though, I wasn't a big fan of the uh what is it Isle of 86 or oh, no, no oh the the, the spin off of this is yeah, yeah I mean I watched the first episode I was like well I'm not really I, I think he's a filmmaker to be honest I think if you watch things like Room for or Brass yeah. Um, and uh, Dead Man Shoes oh
0: yeah I forgot about it
1: I mean they're really cinematic they capture a side of Britain that's very rural I mean it's almost bucolic what mm. he, he manages to to get there and there's a, there's a way he brings everything together character wise and stuff which just works perfectly I think what <laughs> Once Upon a Time in the Midlands is it's a travesty I
0: never thought I was going to hear this yeah
1: also, I think I called it Made in England earlier. It's
0: This is England. Isn't this it? is England. Yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, that's after the uh, Matt, uh, Matt Barnettgate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no. That's mine.
0: It will be great to hear. It sounds very negative, but I, I'd love to hear what your worst <laughs> film you've ever seen is. So get in touch, and um, yeah, looking forward to reading those out on the next show.
1: With his terminally ill wife running up crippling hospital bills, ex-cop Takeshi Kitano goes to desperate lengths to keep his life together in 1997's Hanabi or Fireworks. All the time dealing with the depressed former partner, Yakuza debt collectors and the haunting memories of the day his police career came to a violent halt.
0: As we established last time, I'm pretty unfamiliar with um, Kitano. I'd seen *Tatooichi*, which I really enjoyed last year. But I think something I got from the... um, the, the votes feedback last time was he is a pretty varied director so this is nothing like Zatoichi which I remember loving because it was um it had a air of camp to it yeah and there's a brilliant ending I won't spoil that if people haven't watched it but it's got this really show-stopping <laughs> <laughs> <to it.
1: laughs> show um, being the right yeah, word <laughs> um,
0: this was something quite different I mean as we've said in the introduction it's it's kind of taking that thing of the violent cop on the edge which you've seen a zillion times in anything with which he's Brons, done uh, as well. and stuff you tell me this I don't know but I was probably expecting something with a lot of violent gunplay stylized violence it's completely the opposite isn't it
1: in some respects I think right, there's plenty does, of stylized violence it does have <laughs> some
0: stylized violence but it's very restrained and I thought that was fantastic about this film
1: incredibly restrained I'm I'm just to be honest, I am so keen just to hear whether you liked it or didn't. I liked it.
0: Uh, I am not going to say I was absolutely blown away by it, but I am certainly curious. I mean, it's weird reading about this and seeing this was his kind of breakout hit, wasn't it? This was the one I think it uh, to some much degree, was it? like yeah. in an international market. I think right, this was yeah. the one that really um, brought him to the attention of um, uh, other territories. But I was really impressed with that that it didn't do. I was kind of wincing a bit, thinking, "Oh, this is just going to be." like a John Woo film or something right. but, uh, which is possibly a bit racist <laughs> of me I don't mean it to be but um, I, I so love so. the fact yeah it does have some stylised violence but it's very unexpected when it happens and I don't think it's um, triumphant is it it's kind of more like oof when yeah there's the standout bit with the chopsticks uh, <laughs> quite early on which is Egh. but most of it's contemplative is that the right word to absolutely, use absolutely I yeah.
1: think yeah totally yeah uh, This is my favourite Kitano film. Always has been since I first saw it. Um, I'd seen a few of his others. It's a bit like uh, with um, Studio Ghibli for me, with the uh, Miyazaki films. I can't pinpoint when I first saw one of his films, but I think pretty sure uh, Sonatine or Sonatine (laughs) was the first one that I saw. And I was just very... Like bowled over by this um, the stylistic choices of mm. static cameras um, very sharp quick editing and lots of uh, great sways of the film without much dialogue it was just people doing their thing uh, but without ever being boring uh, I know when we did Man From London, the Bella Taw films there was, <laughs> you struggled a bit with the sort of the monotonousness of it it's boring as fuck (laughs) but you could you could almost level this level that accusation uh, the way Kitano approaches his films Um, he's always kept that restrained approach to it where you have bolts or vaults of violence or Mm, happenings in between these very melancholy... I mean, his films are imbued with melancholy, I think. They're absolutely chock-full of emotions. But in a very Japanese style, where even if you're not that familiar with Japanese culture, there's there's a restraint to emotion, which comes across in this perfectly. I think there's a balance here he achieves, which he probably didn't quite do with uh, Sonata. Teens on a time, I don't know how I'm ever gonna get over how we should say it. Do what you want, and he went started to go the other way with films like uh, Zatarichi, Takeshi's, his later movies. Um, He just achieved something here because in 1994, uh, Beat Takeshi or Takeshi Kitano had a very serious motorbike accident where he nearly died and he suffered horrendous physical injuries which has marked his films ever since because he's a character who doesn't move much and he has facial twitches and stuff which are an outcome of this accident. The overriding feeling that I get from this film is catharsis. There's some way of delving into something that's happened to him personally. For one, you've got lots of artwork that he actually painted Whilst he was recovering from this um, accident, and the film is edited in such a way that one of the characters is um, a police officer who has been injured um, through a shooting. In pa- wheel- wheelchair. I well, he's, yeah, he's paralysed, and he expresses himself through his art. But his the the catalyst for doing this is. Takeshi's character who he was sort of like opening his heart to Takeshi's character and saying about I always dreamed about being creative even wearing a beret and stuff and he gets this lovely little box of paints and marker pens and a beret Mm. and he through the film he makes these quite I mean there's something naive and primitive about the way he paints yeah but the thing is you sort of reflect back on well this is actually the director's vision and the main character is in some ways it's the the cop who Mm. has suffered this horrible trauma but then you've got Nishi who is Takeshi's character who is living with his wife who has leukemia I think who's dying from leukemia and he's as we mentioned he's Footing these enormous bills, you know, it's probably like similar to America, mm-hmm. how you know there's no NHS, the you, you have cells, to pay yeah. for it, and it's quite complicated at first because there's a lot of flashbacks, so you're not sure what's going on, and then about thirty, forty minutes into the film, it becomes obvious that you you're going back and forth emotionally through this. It's quite a roller coaster, and oh yeah I don't know what to add to that really I mean well
0: it's a very rewarding film because it doesn't spoon feed you and
1: to begin with I was
0: getting quite confused with what was happening and eventually as all great films which rely on flashbacks and a bit of a tangent it reminds me of when Pulp Fiction came out and I thought that was very clear what was happening I thought it made it very clear that this story happened at this point and because da, 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 you'd have characters who had died earlier coming back, sorry if that's spoiling Pulp Fiction for anyone who <laughs> hasn't got around to watch it yet but compared to Reservoir Dogs when you maybe had to pay a bit more attention but with this I was a bit bamboozled to begin with and was thinking did I miss a scene? but then you realise, because I, mean, I think one of the key bits is there's the, the point when his career uh, Takeshi's career comes to a halt when there's this um, operation that goes badly wrong but that's teased out, isn't it? You know, mm. you see it in stages, and it gets it escalates as you get more and more information from that. And after, I didn't even realize it was flashbacks to begin with. But that becomes apparent as it goes on. And yeah, um, the whole film, like I said, I thought it was going to be. I had almost fears that it was going to be a high octane stylized gunplay. It's much more about coming to terms with things, isn't it? I mean, I think that's a beautiful. Yeah, and like you say, there's the stuff with uh, I probably can't pronounce his name. The wheelchair-bound character is called Horibe, is it? Horibe. Horibe, right? Mm. Um, but he seems a completely lost soul. Understandably, you know, it's he's, he's not just that he's now wheelchair-bound, but his wife and children have uh, abandoned. Ab- mm. abandoned him. He doesn't know what to do. There's a scene when you think he's going to commit suicide, which doesn't actually go the full full term <laughs> with it. And yeah, you're really behind him when he starts doing these... Uh, it's almost like Cezanne or something. I don't know if I've got the right... It's more like... Um, Who's the, um, the uh, French artist who did the Russo.
1: dots? Rousseau. Uh, no, 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 because that no, that's Surat. Yeah. Surat did the uh, the dot painting because yeah. he had a very clinical way of looking at yeah. how yeah. painting should be done. But he's much more, for me, is like Rousseau was mm. a self-taught artist who he's gets lumped in with a surrealist and he's not that at all. He just did these very weird... You would know them if you saw them. They're like uh, jungle skates yeah. where you've got this well, it's the bizarre one with the looking lion with the
0: uh, flower heads. It's kind of the, they've taken plant heads but made they're evocative of ev- animals, and then he'll do an animal body on them.
1: Which comes to the title because Hannah B. If you look at the uh, the way that the characters are written. It actually the point of it is there's a a difference between like Hannah and B is like fireworks, but it means more than that. It, it's yeah. more about like um, the, he he represents flowers and then animals, and yeah. the fact is there's something there's something like deathly and. Mm. There's a possibility of destruction there, but there's also a new life always coming through behind it. It's right. a very Buddhist which is sort of way of looking at it, yeah. it, which is like the background to a lot of uh, religion in China, Japan. Like in yeah, the, that in was Asia. one of my
0: favourite bits, is because it looks like it might be uh, a grim film to begin with. Because I think there's. Um, his colleagues in the in the police force at the beginning when they're about to go off and do this operation they're all talking about oh he's out the car now. isn't it terrible that his wife's dying and stuff and you know, they're all discussing this and giving us the setup. and you think it's going to be a very depressing movie but when he completely get one of my favorite scenes then is when uh katano and his wife go off to like a i forgot what they call them it's like a rock garden it's they yes. uh, they they've, um where the, the the gravel and things have been raked into a specific kind of formation. And, again, I don't want to sound racist, but I thought that's something that's been held in some reverence. But they're kind of goofing around a bit. I think they've dropped something, and he goes to pick it up but falls into <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, yeah. There's something lovely and irreverent about that. You know? Absolutely, it's, yeah, um, yeah, totally. It is lovely that he's not just, you know, Bruce Willis or any of these other kind of, um, you know, Hard-ass cops. It's all about him, kind of lightening up and trying to grasp some kind of, um, you know, the last cleaning.
1: Yeah, yeah. While no, he can, but know, know, is it? So is that kind of like, is it all worth it? Kind of thing. Like, what? Yeah, what am I looking moments, out for anymore? Yeah. Because, yeah, he comes to the end of his career, and like, like we've said, it's there's a lot of flashbacks going on, and you're never quite sure which period you're in, apart from the the dress he's wearing mm. or uh, the situation that he's in, and uh, I I really love that idea of never being quite sure how he's changing as a character. Mm. You don't know whether he was thinking of something earlier and that had an effect later, because a big thing about this is there's a really interesting way that he approaches violence. I, the, the 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 violence is always extremely brutal and it serves no purpose ultimately yeah if anything
0: it's depressing the violence because it's like you think he's getting somewhere emotionally but then yeah because throughout it he's being harassed by the Yakuza debt collectors Mm. we don't know that to begin with I don't think do we we suddenly think why does he suddenly attack this guy yeah
1: it's not uh, that clear
0: but yeah there's no relish in it and it is kind of I think that's wonderful about it, you know. Yeah. I mean one of the uh, another great bit in it is when it does build up plot-wise I guess to um uh, Katana's character mm-hmm. having to uh, pull off a bank robbery. <laughs> and again in any other film that would have been an absolute centrepiece and that have played all sorts of, you know, we uh, have music over it and gunplay. It's all done on CCTV, isn't it?
1: It's all of you it. And very fuzzy as well.
0: Fuzzy, t- and it's not even. I don't think there's a gun. He just does it with. Uh, it's like Woody Allen in Take the Money and Run. He just does well, it. Well, there mu- is a gun. He, he, he just yeah. does it with. Yeah, it's mm. it's threats rather than um, obviously it's threat, but it's not. Um, you know, it's not macho or testosterone. It's driven. not Michael Mann. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I really, I really love the fact that he. uh he puts so many elements of almost Western cinema into it. You know the idea of like the good cop, the bad cop, the the gangsters, the the love interest. But the love interest is actually his wife who's dying, yeah. which is quite it's really poignant. It is, the and thing, she
0: she doesn't get to do much. But I don't think that's a problem. So, I think so. in a lot of other films, the love interest, the wife, would be there introduced so she can get kidnapped and threatened by the villains later, whereas she's yeah, you just... You, but you, you
1: don't really figure it out in a way, it's only there's there's these uh, little moments, there's these little touches where he comes back at one point from, I don't, it might be from the robbery even, and he goes back home and she's trying to do this little wooden puzzle, you know you oh, yeah. have like certain shapes and you've got to make them into... Well, you can uh, figure them
0: into numerals and things.
1: Exactly, like, yeah. and she can't quite get this and he tries it. it's all a lot of this is silent there's not much going on here dialogue wise and there's just this beautiful touch where she tries to spike up a cigarette and he she just grabs. he just grabs it off her and there's a, like a little giggle between them and it's like well yeah that that says more about a relationship than trying to establish something you I know, will like find dialogue. you yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's even moments where they're having photographs taken and she tries to hug him and he's like no, mm. get away, get away but then at the end things um, become more clear yeah. to a degree uh, there's there's a subtle story storytelling going on here which is yeah. so right. absent from many many films like yeah, you watch. I I enjoyed
0: having to work for it mm. but like you say it, the, there were kind of uh, maybe allusions to other kind of cop films and stuff something I really liked with this was the soundtrack I didn't take well I did take a note of who did it but Joe I, Hisaishi. I, I've, I've forgotten to bring my notes with me he certainly. did all
1: the uh, the Studio Ghibli early films and but all of his early films they had a massive falling out I, before it's that's a right.
0: wow it's nine minutes green away again. <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> I don't know if you agree with this because I'm not familiar with, uh, with Kitano's stuff particularly but listening to this and because it's a cop movie it sounded very much like 70s TV cop show
1: totally totally deliberately I'm guessing I'm, I'm guessing this isn't how the That's guy usually to That's kind of style really. though you'd hear that if you watched like stuff like the Ghibli movies, the Miyazaki right. animes, you'd hear something there.
0: It's just with this, I thought it didn't do anything as obvious as seventies cop movies, which mm. would have all been wah wah and you know, it's trying to go for Shaft and things like yeah. that. It was much more. There was something quite cheesy about it. There was a lot of uh, sax and things well on there, and it was. I know. I thought that that really, that was a good framing uh, kind of device to put around it. I mean, so were you pleased this was the listener's vote?
1: I was glad because I really, I have so much love for this film. I think it's really beautiful. It's absolutely poignant for mm. me. That It works on so many levels. Um,
0: can you see why this... Because this is... I would have looked this up on the, um, as reliable a source as Wikipedia, but apparently <laughs> this was the one that broke him out. I mean, can you understand why that might be? Yeah, he'd because
1: had- he'd injured himself in 1994, so... Mm the western world can only understand when people have been hurt <laughs> well I was going to not not to be
0: facetious but bring her out because I'm not really familiar with Katana as <laughs> established but as you say he had this motorbike uh, accident and it did leave half his face paralysed I mm. think so he's quite a distant figure in this for one reason and another I mean is this kind of typical of how he performs in films? totally
1: or well, even films where he's not even in them you mm. know he, there's that there's a sparseness of yeah. direction. There's there's an idea of someone there's overseeing this, but they there's don't need to be there. There's restraint again. Yeah, so, yeah, restraint, or uh, I don't know. I suppose these are the characters that he might write write for in other films, or like ciphers for him. I like that. I like that uh, remove he's got from them. Have you seen any of Takeshi's Castle? Big fun. Me and my mates used to watch it all the time. Is this still it's going?
0: Up, and this but... is like Endurance, which I'd know. Yeah. The, uh, well,
1: uh, no, they're slightly different. I think the ones that Chris Tarrant used to show were... Uh... Clive, Clive James, please. <laughs> oh, bro, oh, no, I, I, right. I remember the Tarrant show. He's yesterday's man. Let's get it, is, 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 yes, it <laughs> it's, it's
0: right. Can you remember a speci- any specific rounds?
1: Uh, yeah, there's the one where like, there's loads of doors. It's a labyrinth of doors and like people... Some Westerners are dressed up as... Uh, Japanese gods or demons, and right. the, the guys go in, and like, some of the doors don't close, and others do, and then they either run out into the mud or they get out safely, and they all go, ah!
0: Was oh, there no physical unpleasantness?
1: Yeah, I mean, people get like suplexed and oh, that's okay, <laughs> clotheslined. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs>
0: first weekend of july which means the most hotly anticipated film of the last several years certainly since any news was announced of it everyone's been so
1: excited about the touring horse bellator last film that he's ever made oh right
0: i'm excited about the fact it's the last film (laughs) bellator will ever make jim's looking at me i I want more maltesers now um (laughs) no um the most hotly anticipated movie probably of the summer and the year Prometheus by Ridley Scott. It's been out since Friday. We're recording this on Monday night. I've not seen it yet. I've not seen it. Anyway, shall we get on with the next film? <laughs> um, no, are you... Well, alright, we've not seen it. I'll be seeing it on Wednesday a um, couple of days' time.
1: I don't know if I'll get to it. I really... <laughs> I, d- I was a joke before, but I genuinely want to see the Turin horse more uh, because it's probably not going to be on that long. I think I could... Is this like Turin? Yeah, Turin. Is this like yeah, Turin. the Turin shroud? Yeah. Is, is Jesus on the...
0: Underbelly of this poor form You're getting the
1: gist of it. Oof. Um, but it's not that. Yeah. Um, but I really want to see it because that'll probably be on the on at the Cosen for like a week or something.
0: Bellatar in 2D and 3D, <laughs> <laughs> 4D. Probably. The Piranha double three double D is waiting to get feel the same. of the horse. Um, but no, Prometheus. Yeah, it's a bit pointless for us to discuss it because we've not seen it yet. But it's kind of interesting that it's had this. Uh, I'm going to call it a backlash. I think on Friday, everyone was saying mixed reviews, but um, I reckon it's been getting negative reviews. Generally negative, Yeah, I think. all I've heard is Fassbinder is good, but I'm getting a bit fed up. The they all love, him. everyone loves it. It is kind of an easy, uh, Not what's the opposite of an easy target? An easy lovey? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Phil Collins and Philip Bailey were saying. <laughs> <laughs> easy lovey.
1: Um, not his daughter in Buster when she was choking on that little coin. <laughs> That's not the same daughter, Lily Collins, who's in Snow <laughs> no, no, White. No, no, yeah, no, no, it, no Mirror, me. mirror. Um,
0: no, the reason I wanted to mention it is, yeah, it'll be interesting. We will review it, hopefully, on the next show. Hopefully, you'll have seen Briefly. It. Very brief. Yeah, we're not going to do the whole <laughs> shebang. We're waiting for the worst movie it, that you've ever seen, which obviously is a Prometheus. <laughs> um, no, I just think it's interesting that the stuff I've heard is seems to be people comparing Prometheus in terms of um, Alien and going, oh, but Alien... Was claustrophobic and dark and this isn't you know I'm thinking it's a different film it's a different film <laughs> one of the things you know when Prometheus was coming uh, w- when it was coming <laughs> and there were all the trailers and there were it very, was gushing there were uh, they were ambiguous <laughs> and as the trailers went on m- more and more of it, the, the detail looked to be coming out and by the end I remember saying to you this just actually looks like a remake of Alien with modern effects I'm pleased if it's not Alien you know
1: I think it's going to be because I read on Twitter that um, Kim Newman and a few other people said that, oh, he's a uh, Ridley Scott's ripped off Planet of the Va- Bar- Barbers Planet of the Vampires twice now, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which, to be fair to Ridley Scott, you know there was more people than him involved with uh, Alien. Mm. Um, I don't know. I was kind of excited about it and. When I started seeing the trailers, I just thought that this all looks way much too finessed and Mm sheeny than Alien. And the look of Alien is what makes it so good. The flavour. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you've got that, it's like retro futurism or whatever. whatever. Um, And this has none of that. It just looks like a spanking brand new blockbuster. (laughs) Which, you know, you make of that what you will. that could be its downfall. Well, my my eyes are going to be open.
0: I'm still looking forward to it. I mean, I'm like, watching it Wednesday, but even on Friday, I was because I I, gen- I index photos. I was generally working from home and thinking um, I could still knock off early and go and watch that at three o'clock. But I knew I was going to watch it Wednesday, and there was a bit of me thinking I was torn between I really want to see this film and thinking what if it's awful and I've already committed to watching it on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Because I got to say, I went to see Avengers twice. And yeah. I really enjoyed it first time, but second time, it's still good, but it's it's diminishing returns. I mean, mm. the, a lot of it's the excitement of seeing it for the first time. Yeah. And um, uh, so you're still left with Spider Man. Sorry, The Amazing Spider Man. And um,
1: I've I, don't I, I don't think I don't think I'll go and watch either of those, to be honest. The
0: summer's over for you. <laughs> it, well, I'm maybe summer's I've got I've,
1: I'm going to have a new child in October. I've got that to look forward to. And then moving no, to France, so. That's
0: no... What's the, what's the <laughs> merchandise time <tying> with that?
1: <laughs> Yo, Isaac! Struggle a couple times with me, cousin. And make sure you put a pillow
0: up her ass. She liked that. As Isaac Sharon, Stephen Burkoff has wealth, taste, power, and a daughter who wears nothing but a bath towel to play drum kits at her birthday party. As Christopher Tracy, Prince might dress real fancy, but he has to pay the rent by seducing rich women in the south of France. When Prince meets Burkov's wayward daughter, you can guess the outcome in is Under the Cherry Moon.
1: A few months ago, uh, we did our British Rock British stars, rock stars in movies. And it was a very fine time. And uh, Jim mentioned this film, but unfortunately, Prince is Minneapolisian. And we couldn't put him in. But it's come down to the fact that, you know, we're doing our last few shows for the. For this period in midnight video, and we had some choices about what we wanted to do, and Jim was quite adamant that we should do well under you'd, the cherry moon.
0: you'd investigated this because I think after <laughs> after we had such great times with uh, Jagger and running out of luck, I mentioned this, and I thought it it at least sounded comparable. Mm. you watched it, and I remember you texting me and saying it's not maybe the same film as Running Out of Luck but it's one of those things when you can't tell if Prince was what his thoughts were whether he thought he ACDC ser- <laughs> <laughs> if they made a film that would be exactly. um, whether he thought he was making a seriously good film or whether he was very happy to um, to mock his take the uh, reins because this would probably be probably the peak of his uh, peak of his powers
1: wouldn't it well you, get in there yeah yeah it's weird because Prince has had this. Um, he's kind of been popular for a long time in through the eighties, I think, up until the early nineties. Uh, yeah. Certainly until he changed his name to a symbol to slave and things. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: no, I remember when like beautiful, most beautiful girl in the world came out. Yeah. That was Like ninety one. That was like a big hit. But he'd not had a hit for a little while. But it was one of those things like Madonna, where it's like he's back. I was on my work here.
1: experience at work working in a record shop. I had two weeks in a record shop. My local town and that was the number one then and all I could look at like basically the guy who was running the shop had so much vinyl that he'd never sold in the back room and I was just eyeing it all up going like oh yeah I could have this, I could have this and he did, he gave me loads of it thankfully Um, come on you're getting away from the film now yeah fucking you you sold this to me as running out of luck it's along the lines though deny me this deny me that
0: (laughs) Okay, what did you think of this? Then
1: I really, really like it. I think it is got yeah. that it's got the biggest song in the biggest cheek. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's more of a piss take than Jagger could imagine he could do with running out of luck, because running out of luck involved lots of lots of people with lots of credentials who uh, they were they are probably you know like all coked up and he's got like this massive like decades of. Experience behind him. What Prince did here was, you know, he'd been building up slowly from the early '80s, and then he knew his ego was inflated enough, like a, a balloon, to say, "Well, you know, if that guy, if that uh, guy can't direct this film, but I've got these characters wow. around me and stuff."
0: You say that guy it was that lady, wasn't it? It's Mary well, Lan- oh, Mary oh yeah, Mary she, Lambert, yeah, course, who um, yes, who sorry. is best known probably for directing Madonna's "Like a Prayer" video. <laughs> although she did do Pet Cemetery* and Pet Cemetery 2 and more recently I did look this up sadly I didn't bring my notes along today her most recent film for the sci-fi channel Megapython versus Gatoroid <laughs> which obviously will be will be discussing next don't week don't not Gatoroid um no there's a well it's probably not that helpful to compare this to running out of luck but you want to know if it's as much fun as that but
1: that's all you need r-
0: running out of looks, obviously like a vanity project and it's stitching together these music videos this isn't that it's it's an attempt to do a film isn't it yeah no it's
1: there's say, a lot
0: there I'm sounding surprised at that but yeah it's um, <laughs> can you believe this I don't think it was done certainly initially it wasn't initiated as a as a Prince Vanity project it was written by um, uh, by Becky Johnson I don't know the history of it, you know, in that much detail. Originally, Mary Lambert, video director, was attached to it, but Prince took over. And that's probably the first thing to say about it. You're then watching, and you're not... I wasn't thinking, can Prince act? I was thinking, can he direct? I think absolutely... He can. He does a good job. Assuming he does this. And I did have a chat the other day with... um, um, Matt Thorne who's who's written a Prince biography oh, yeah. which will be out soon. Um and I said, Did Prince actually direct it or was that like a credit? And he said, No no no, no he he directed it, you know. So um
1: But I think there's also good, be, it's very slick. It's stylish. I think Ballhouse Ball <laughs> Well Ballhouse, Yes. The uh, cinematographer, DRP, yeah. who yeah. is a Scorsese. Scorsese guy.
0: And Scorsese apparently was approached to direct oh. apparently his quote was you can't have two geniuses working together. <laughs> Wow! Wow! Scorsese said that we could have been reviewing this next week as the Scorsese Fucking vote out, winner. Wouldn't that have been great, Scorsese and Prince <laughs> together at
1: last? Well, in a, in a kind of way. Isn't it?
0: <laughs> so no, it looks great. It was apparently all filmed in color, but it's all been reprocessed as black and white. But it looks. It Didn't looks Michael
1: fr- Haneke do that for um, <laughs> the White Ribbon, and he won a yeah, Prince will win the farm Door next year. But it's a shame because like he they filmed this next to Cannes, mm. just up the road. So. What a, waste. what a waste! Yeah, where to begin with this? So, what I'm gonna say
0: um, first off, I don't know if this is the most prominent thing to say about it. The design in it is fantastic. I was really quite taken with the clothes design in it. It opens with Prince uh, performing in a bar as like a piano uh, player, grand piano. He's got twelve
1: pianist. He's <laughs> got
0: this uh, great kind of uh, jewel encrusted headdress. It <laughs> sets the tone for the whole film, I think. <laughs>
1: I love that. I love the fact that a jewel encrusted just sets the tone for a film. Um, but don't you think it's the way he plays as well? Oh, and the cool. fact that um, Francesca oh, what's it Francesca called? Francesca Anis. is. Annis? Uh, uh, no, Jerome Benson. Oh yeah, it's tricky. Not tricky. The, that's not the cool. Bristol trip hop guy. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> not the Maxine Quay guy. Uh, was it uh, Max from the time Finley Quay's uh, <laughs> Godfather? <laughs> yeah, I think he is. <laughs> yeah he keeps getting these notes and yet you've got beautiful Francesca and it's like you can't take your eyes off her she's gobsmackingly gorgeous but it just builds on that from there it just escalates throughout It just every scene gets more and more frivolous (laughs) (laughs) but also at the same time like sexy You you know Prince has got this thing about being like love sexy and like there is. There's something so sensuous about everything. An opening shot. There's the opening montage when he's the bar pianist.
0: But then when it actually cuts, I think it goes over pan. I think there's actually a shot of a white piano. Well, it's Nice. Sorry. Nice, Sorry. Um, yeah. you, you confuse me. I think then, given he <laughs> <not trying>. allegedly,
1: <laughs> allegedly
0: <laughs> directed it, one of the opening shots after that is him lying on a bed, but it pans up to show his butt. <laughs>
1: Because you think he's a girl, though.
0: you remember Prince in the mid eighties. Yeah. yeah, he he wasn't very uh, he wasn't very unselfconscious about these things. <laughs> he was wearing some incredible outfits. Um, it's usually kind of leggings almost. He looks like one of the um, he usually dresses like one of the guards in Battle of the Planets.
1: <laughs> There's something a bit ring James about top. it all. Oh though. yeah, no, I think there was some
0: history between the two. Yeah, of them. yeah, yeah. But someone we've not mentioned. Christian Scott Thomas, and amazingly, this is the second show in a row. It's her debut. Uh, no, yeah. no, she was on... Uh, no, well, I mean, it's a, film, a yeah. debut film. Probably. Introducing Christian yeah. Scott Thomas, who, uh, I don't know if you read this, originally, I think Prince wanted the twin sister of Wendy or Lisa from The Revolution. You know, there's Wendy right, and Lisa. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who are, are both lesbians, so she's quite interesting. But she couldn't act. Although this didn't stop him from casting... Uh, Who's the character who plays Katie? It's manual. someone. Again, sorry I've forgotten my notes. All this was we're, we're being less professional than ever before. <laughs> She's, again, after last week when we reviewed uh, Bitter Moon and we said that uh, Basil the, Basil dan- Basil the <laughs> ballet dancer was the worst actor we'd ever seen, I think she gives him a run for his money.
1: She's dreadful. What?! the band lady in this. Oh right, okay. Not I, Kristen, I Scott you meant Kristen Scott Thomas. No, I won't hear a word against
0: Kristen. <laughs> yeah, today. no.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I think she was Princess Squeeze at the time. I think her her um, her role was increased. She's a bit so
1: pretty and nice and very like. I am not going to deny you that. Yeah, but I, I liked her. Especially the last we see her <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just let's get to Kristen Scott Thomas because what an entrance yeah. I mean she's disowned this unfortunately she? yeah yeah she oh, said like shame, the, she it, said no I'm, I'm trying to forget about that oh man it's a that's blip. such a shame because it one
0: of the things I loved about this was she's now known as a far more kind of upmarket kind of actress isn't she yeah she's yeah. middle age now but she's you know she's really matured is it the fact that she's kind of a wayward sex pot in this yeah. is so beautiful, isn't it? And it's she's uh, still
1: like, she's got quite a lot of puppy fat still. She's quite shapely, you know, she's almost the age that she's acting. Yeah, Burkoff. I, really like
0: yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it's show 37 and we're only just talking about Burkoff. That's crazy, yeah. That's but wrong. a wonderful thing there as well is um, it's Burkoff, but um, digging around on this, the. The, the actor who was he must have been
1: coming off the back of Rambo three,
0: Rambo two. Sorry, the Rambo as it was called, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, there but was first blood, Rambo, first blood part two. Yeah, <laughs> but when 3, he was yeah. the um... yeah yeah he was the
1: was it Afghanistan there? Yes right?
0: yes 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 yes. Originally, the role of Scott Thomas's dad was Terence Stamp, mm. but he, I'm going to have to prepare for this. He left because he didn't think the film had much artistic merit. <laughs> Do stamp? Stamp? <laughs> he just a Superman 2, a few years ago. Stamp ended up doing Electra. <laughs> so this is this is quite something. <laughs> Burkhoff's great in this, though.
1: He's good. Yeah, he's, he's really good.
0: good yeah. Um, and a great thing is you quite campy. Quite campy. He's camp, but he keeps it together. Because obviously Prince isn't the best actor. He's more of a presence. He's very charismatic. But I think Burkoff's holding his uh, holding it together there.
1: Oh yeah, he does a good job. He's steering the ship. Because, yeah, like, I know, like, Prince is in a lot of this, and it's all about like the relationship between uh, I forget a name, Mary, Mary and Prince. But as annoying as he was, I love Tricky Jerome Benton. Uh, he was a bit His annoying. His sidekick, yeah, because uh, the pair of them are gigalos who are kind of ripping. But off there's the, like uh, a massive homoerotic <laughs> undercurrent between them. And yeah. There are bizarre
0: lines when they fall out as well, aren't they?
1: Yeah, but it's more the like cuddling each oh, other yeah. no, egging each other a, on with their tongues. There's so. something a bit fraternal <laughs> going on
0: there. Something that might be surprising with this, again, it's probably maybe unhelpful comparing it to running out of luck, but whereas that was set pieces mm. actually music promos. This only actually has two kind of full performances, doesn't it? Yeah. One of them's Girls and Boys, which I'm going to say is the standout it's piece. Brilliant. It's, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Prince's Prince and the Revolution's music throughout it, but as soundtrack, it's in the background. But yeah, he actually stops everything and performs Girls and Boys in this uh, French restaurant, and it's great. He's such a great dancer. Isn't yeah, he's absolutely so bad, yeah, absolutely <laughs> uh, mesmerizing. It was funny reading about on it and thinking that. Um, Parade was the album that I think this came yeah, up, yeah, was, it was, yeah. was a huge hit the film sank and was derided and everything but yeah like I say two pieces there's that one which is pretty much halfway through the film really great scene and mountains at the very end of the film which I love I think that was one of the things that drew me to oh, the really? film oh really I really love mountains <laughs> yeah and I'd watch the video quite a lot on YouTube I right. was so surprised when it then ends up as the the, the coder to the whole film I thought it was really wonderful
1: but how did you feel about the way it went? You know, the, the plot. The, yeah. The plot um, that it
0: is. Unexpected, yeah. Mm. I mean, watching it again, I, I kind of. Yeah, I watched it fully, then I kind of. I, I usually zip through the films again just before we record. Mm. Um, the beginning does kind of tell you how it's going to end, but I think the first time you watch it, you're not sure. Well, the narration says it yeah,
1: quite, yeah. quite explicitly. But it's
0: quite surprising. We're not going to spoil the end, but. It's not the usual kind. If you said, if I said, there's a film Prince is a huge pop star in the real world, and he's the hero of this, and he's against burkoff who's this rich arsehole who's you know trying to uh, exploit his daughter to keep the family's fortunes going, you're pretty much going to know what the ending's going to be. It's mm-hmm. something quite different.
1: Isn't I don't it? know. I, I really liked it. Uh, I don't think it's that surprising if you know uh, Prince's music from that period, though. There's right. a lot of. Songs about about the harsh reality of being a gigolo in the south of France. Well, there's 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 a messiah complex to it all, I think. Yes, in some ways. Yeah, that doesn't stop me from bloody enjoying it all. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there was there wasn't even a point where he was interviewed and he said, "Yeah." especially early on in the film you can see that he's like oh i was just trying to like like Fellini i was trying to get that it really comes across though i think it does the it's... party and the, the opulence yep. of it no
0: there's a great scene at the party this is a key scene when Kristen scott thomas turns up in her uh, bath towel so she's obviously a little more uh Birthday <laughs> there's a little more to her than uh, you might expect but yeah, yeah, with all the circus troupe going around, isn't there? there's elephants and there's these, uh, this weird scene that reminded me of Airplane with these two young kids yeah. trying to uh, <laughs> chat each other up. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so. um, I've got to say, something else I loved was yeah, Prince as Christopher Tracy isn't always portrayed as the nicest of people in it, is he? He's, he's no, sort of no, made, no, He does allow himself to be seen as something of a dick in it. I think... Because he's quite big. cruel to Mary. Mary, Kristen Scott Thomas's character is obviously from this very uh, privileged world. His is more from the the street. Um, but there's a scene when they're trying to. I think they explicitly say they're going to try and bring her down to their level. Rector Star, uh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's kind of nice that she holds her own there.
1: I yeah, absolutely. I am. I was quite saddened to hear when she was like putting it behind a kind of thing and I thought, ah, no, you should like you should cherish those moments. Cherish mood Cherish
0: them, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Would you like to add any Burkhoff memories? You must have seen a few of his films.
1: The Craze. Because well, they get him right the end, end, on the spot, he? don't they? <laughs> yes. They get him right on the spot. It was always it was always crying out for it. Um yeah, he's from the East Endies one of the governors. I sat through Outland
0: the other day, possibly in um, <laughs> preparation for Prometheus. Because <laughs> it it's a good film, I think. I like Outland, but um, mm. it owes an awful lot to an alien. Um, but burkoff crops up briefly as um, a miner off his head
1: on some kind of drugs. Um, I love burkoff I like the fact he's just so willing to do any old shit. Well, After this, you know he's the man who goes beyond Terence Stamp. Yeah, but he loves doing like uh, we saw Dead Set at Fright Fest two years ago, or I did, Mm -hmm. and he's in there as like a Van Helsing character for all these uh, Eastern European immigrants who are (laughs) infesting the uh, Cockney gangsters of the East End, and he's like he's the mad Van Helsing character. I just like looking at him, thinking, wow. I admire you for that It's a terrible film, And then though. Prince turns up in that as well <laughs> If only like, With his purple steak You just tell me where you are And I'll come and kick your face off Did you say kiss my face off? Well I'd like that real well Because that's just what I did to your daughter
0: Okay that's it for show 37 One bam, thank you man There's a few more to come A few? Yeah A couple more A couple more I hope you enjoyed the show get in touch with us about the worst film you've ever seen hopefully it could even be one of the ones we've reviewed tonight if you really want um, yeah Couldn't get in touch it. with us on Twitter
1: at Midnight Video that's capital M capital V but it actually doesn't matter as I found out tonight
0: oh so. okay uh, Facebook just give it a little search Midnight Video uh, our website midnight-video.com where there will be some supplemental material and also please get in touch with us Ah, oh, midnightvideo at hotmail.co.uk I think that's everything let us know the worst film you've ever seen let us know what you think of Prometheus because we're, we're I'm definitely going to say something about it on the next show hopefully you'll have got to see it if you're not doing your, your Bella Tar
1: I'm going to go and watch a two and a half hour film about the space jockey from London <laughs> <laughs> see there's a jockey there's a horse like there. Okay. from space <laughs> <laughs> See you all next time. Thanks very much. Ciao, ben. Bye-bye. <laughs> You know, I've always connected food with work. So, I was hoping this would be the spot where I'd be able to read out Matt Barnett's little mini statement for stating why he chose Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ. Unfortunately, um, Twitter for some reason won't let me see previous tweets from Matt. Um, so, big apologies to Matt. Um, but One thing I do remember is that David Bowie is in The Last Temptation of Christ. That's pretty much all you need to know.